Good evening, everyone. It's 5.32. We'll get started with the Sustainability Advisory Board meeting. Kira? Can you guys hear me? Yes. Yes. My video camera is not working. Um, okay, I, I guess I just announced that the meeting is open. Yeah, you'll call to order. And then the first item would be the hybrid meeting procedures, which I can give. Okay. Uh, good evening, my name is Kathy Richardson. I'm the interim sustainability director. Uh, I just wanted to share a few housekeeping items for tonight's Zoom meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and on cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you are not speaking. The chat function for this public meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to me. All board members, please keep your video on, those that can. Uh, all others keep your video off unless you're participating during this meeting. If you are having any trouble, you can send me a chat. Uh, the city does reserve the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during this meeting. And please remember to state your name each time you speak for the benefit of those participating remotely. I did want to also remind everyone there is a meeting right after this one. So they'd like us um, to wrap up by 7.15, 7.20 at the latest. Now I'll turn it back to you, Kara. This is Kathy, the Interim Sustainability Director. Kira, are you back on? Can you hear us? Kira, are you able to hear us? Can you guys hear me? We can hear you now. You can hear me now. Okay. It's yeah, I'm really sorry. It's doing like a double thing where it's doing feedback after everything I say and you guys say, and I can't get the audio going. I'm so sorry I'm on a on a borrowed laptop. Um we're I'm trying to bring up the agenda on a split screen. What What's first on the agenda? This is Kathy Richardson, the Interim Sustainability Director. Um, the call to order and the hybrid meeting procedures were read. The next item is to approve the minutes of December 2021.
Can I move to accept the minutes as written? This is Sarah Jones, board member, I second. Hero, will you call for a vote? Uh, I call for a vote. Okay, I'll, I'll go ahead and read the board member names. Um, Stanley? Yes. Ben? Yes. Deb? Yes. Kay? Yes. Steve? I, I call for a vote. Yes. Sarah? Yes. Nancy? Abstain. And Kira? Yes. This is Kathy Richardson, the Interim Sustainability Director. The next item on the agenda are the SAB administration items. And that is the election of the chair and the election of the vice chair. It is my understanding, and um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I went back to listen to the December SAB meeting and um, the election uh, to occur tonight uh, for the chair and vice chair. Uh, as soon as that uh, chair is selected, um, they will, um, that person will run the meeting through the rest of the items tonight. and I'll turn it to you all for discussion on these items. This is Stan Rasmussen. Um, I guess I would ask if Kara is interested and able to transition into the chair position from being vice chair last year. Does she want to? Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I do. Well, then I, I would nominate Kara as the new chair. Just a, a quite quick question. Is this committee like others where generally there's like a kind of a matric, sorry, this is Ben Sykes, SAB member, a normal matriculation as well from, for example, whoever would nominate or become the vice chair now would then matriculate to chair generally. Is that how this normally happens? I, I just don't know. This is Kathy Richardson, interim sustainability director. So anyone on the board is able to be nominated for the chair position. And in the past, it hasn't necessarily been the vice chair to the chair. It, it's gone different ways. Well, 
Well, this is Stan Rasmussen, Sustainability Advisory Board member. I don't think there are any hard and fast rules about who becomes a new chair, but I think it's just kind of courteous to ask the vice chair if they're interested and if they feel they're capable of doing it and transitioning that way on that that seems to generally be what's happened on other boards I've volunteered with. This is Deb Ford, a sustainability board member. Is anyone else that wants to run for chair, or should we vote? Or is there further discussion? See, there's nobody is uh, jumping up and down, waving their arms. Perhaps um, I'll move to move on to the vote. Yes. This is Stan Rasmussen. You're seconding my nomination. I am. This is Kathy Richardson, the interim sustainability director. You want to call for a vote? Okay, I call for a vote. Can I will read the names. Stanley? Stan? Yes. Ben? Yes. Deb? Yes. Kay? Yes. Steve? Yes. Sarah? Yes. Nancy. Yes. And Kira. Yes. This is Kathy Richardson, the interim sustainability director. The next item is the election of the vice chair. This is Kira. I nominate Ben Sykes. This is Sarah Chenoweth, board member. If he wants it, I will second. <laughs> what, Sarah? That was very political of you, I think, if he wants it. Um, uh, I'd be happy to serve. I'm already happy to serve on this committee, so I'm happy to serve in, in whatever capacity people need. I have great respect for Ben, but I've also been talking to Stanley, and I'd like to nominate Stanley Rasmussen for the vice chair as well. His uh, background experience and his involvement have been um, inspiring, to say the least. And if you're interested, I will second that as well. I would be interested and able to do it. Okay. 
given your ability and interest in it, Stan, I, I think I would third your nomination, uh, just uh, honestly, because uh, um, I also have great respect for you and, and all the other things you've done. But also, I'm, I'm currently on sabbatical from KU, and I think that your time right now might be more available than me. This is Stan Rasmussen. Ben, thanks for those kind words. This is Kathy Richardson, Interim Sustainability Director. And any other nominations on the Vice Chair or Kira, would you like to call for a vote? Uh, I'll call for a vote unless somebody else would like to say something. Okay, it sounds like nobody else has any more comments, so I'll I'll call for a vote if you can read the names. Okay. Ben? Just to be clear, we're voting on um, Stan Rasmussen as vice chair, right, Kathy? Correct. Okay, yes. Deb? Yes. Kira? Yes. Kay? Yes. Steve? Yes. Sarah? Yes. Nancy? Yes. And Stan? Oh, oh sure, I'll vote for myself, yes. Thank you. This is Kathy Richardson, the Interim Sustainability Director. Um, one other item I just wanted to mention under SAB administration is that there are two vacancies on this board. So I did receive a resignation from Allison um, where her last day was February 2nd. So now there are two vacancies to fill. The next item on the agenda are the oh, staff sorry. reports. Kathy, this is Ben Sykes, SAB member. Just for the, the public that might watch this later or other things, if they have interest in serving on this board, the procedure is what? Can, can you just re reiterate that one more time? I know it's on the Absolutely. website, I believe. Absolutely. This is Kathy Richardson, Interim Sustainability Director. For anybody interested in serving on the uh, Sustainability Advisory Board, if you go to the City Main website, um, you click on Advisory Boards, you can select Sustainability Advisory Board. And um, there's a roster of the list of the current advisory boards and at the bottom a, a button you can click to um, for those interested to, to submit their interest form. And then it is the mayor who reviews um, those uh, applications or interest forms and then appoints uh, members to the advisory boards. So that's the process. Thank you. The next item on the agenda staff report 
Um, this was an item that Jasmine had kind of carried over from a few months ago, and it was to receive a report from the City of Lawrence um, Solid Waste Division in regards to recycling and composting. And I will kind of get started on that, um, but we do have Michelle Gundy, who is an MSO environmental technician also on this call, and she will um, present uh, some numbers and data and a lot of activity around recycling and composting. So um, she will she will be ready to, to show that. Um, but just kind of a, an overview. Uh, so I um, am the uh, solid waste manager before I took on this interim position. And the solid waste division is a part of the Municipal Services and Operations Department. As you all know, that is a department uh, that was created with a merger of the Public Works Department and the Utilities Department. And um, Solid Waste is the, the group. It's a pretty big, large staff group, 85 employees that collect the trash, recycling, and yard waste here in town. So we take our trash, we have a contract with Hamway Services, and we take all the, the trash there. We have, we own and operate our own compost facility. That's where we take our yard waste. And then uh, recycling came on board um, the curbside recycling program in October of 2014. And that material we collect and take also, we contract out the material re recovery facility services with Hamway services. So that's where that material is going. I'm not 100% sure as to what the discussion was with this advisory board on the information that you wanted, but both Michelle and I, after all the information is presented, if there's additional information that the advisory board would like us uh, to share with you, or if there's a discussion point um, as to why this was of interest uh, to the advisory board, we're happy to share information. We just don't want to give an hour-long presentation that doesn't meet uh, what you all were trying to get to. So with that, I am going to turn it over to Michelle um, so she can share her, her screen and her PowerPoint presentation. Okay, um, Kathy, did I get the right screen clicked? <laughs> yes, we're seeing your PowerPoint. Um, okay, let me see if I can get to just the there you presentation go. mode. Okay, wonderful. Um, so yeah, I, I was just kind of given some loose guidelines to present um, residential and commercial solid waste streams. So um, uh, for the city of Lawrence, and I will go ahead and start with that. Again, uh, I'm an environmental technician in the MSO, the Municipal Services and Operations Division of the city. Um, I am 
currently working not only with uh, some recycling commercial customers and outreach in that area, but also in stormwater compliance issues. Um, and that actually takes up uh, more of my time recently. Um, let's see here, I'm trying to arrange the screen so I can see, see my clicker, okay. Um, so I just wanted to start with an overview of municipal solid waste, what we call MSW. Um, this, is, this is an overall U.S. picture, um, the latest figures from the EPA, but it probably gives you uh, a, a general um, composition of what we're throwing away here in Lawrence to, um, but in the US it's 293 million or 92 million tons per year, which actually equates to about 4.9 pounds per person per day um, that we're throwing away. And it's been steadily rising since um, they were tracking it in, um, in 1990, but as you can see, paper and paperboard uh, are a large proportion, and this is all by weight um, of what we throw away. So uh, a lot of recyclable materials. Um, in Lawrence, we, as Kathy said, we provide trash, recycling, and uh, yard waste services to the citizens. We do serve only uh, Lawrence within city limits. For trash, we pick up uh, regular weekly uh, residential trash, um, scheduled commercial collections, which includes roll-offs <clears throat> and compactors and all the way down to smaller size containers. We pick up bulk items from residences um, by schedule or by, um, by request. <clears throat> That, that's such items as tires and furniture. Um, for the other items we pick up at the curb, like yard waste and the holiday trees, um, appliances and metals, um, those all do get recycled and counted in our recycling uh, collection numbers. Um, so here I just went ahead and did a graph of the last several years, but I also included, um, or sorry, a chart, but um, 2013, because that was our final complete year of um, before starting single stream recycling, which is the collection curbside um, residential that we do now provide for um, mixed recyclables. And that was rolled out in 2014, October of 2014, we started uh, that service. And like Kathy said, we contract with HAM services. They actually built a new facility that's nearby and really made it um, kind of easily accessible and possible for us to do, to do that um, with the, the close transport. But um, the top row you'll see there is the number of tons we've disposed in the landfill. So it's pretty consistently um, recently at about 60,000 tons um, per year. And then we have um, stayed pretty also consistent um, in our complete years of uh, single stream recycling from the residences uh, at about 6,000 tons per year. And then 
the next row is um, it's a, a accumulation of what we've done for yard waste composting and other source separated recycling, which is materials uh, that we've recycled separately from um, other um, sources and that are that are not um, mixed together when they're recycled, but I, I'm going to talk about that a little more um, in uh, a future slide here. But uh, so I just uh, added the total tons diverted uh, by year uh, each um, in each column. And um, that is primarily the municipal um, residential waste. We do have some, uh, we have a cardboard uh, commercial collection, and we also have a uh, landscaper program where we allow them to use our facility for compost and yard waste. Um, but uh, really, I would say that um, you can't just easily come to our diversion rate by um, looking at these numbers just because there is a lot of landfill tons that are um, strictly commercial. We're, um, I think one estimate I heard, um, but it's not verified, is that it's we're about 65% of landfill um, is commercial, whereas 35% of what we're putting in the landfill is coming from residential sources. But um, Kathy actually may know more than I do on that. But um, what I really wanted to get to um, first and foremost, is our compost facility because we have, um, I, I really feel like they're the rock stars of our waste diversion. Um, they, <clears throat> just because we um, collect so much of it at the time, at the, um, at the curb and by drop off, um, we're open, well, it's a weekly service for Lawrence residents. They can put it in the brown cart, which they can purchase from the city and bring it, um, set it up the curb, or they can use compostable yard waste paper, um, paper compostable bags to set it out and, excuse me, <clears throat> but um, that combined with the drop-off program where we allow landscapers to bring the yard waste to the facility and um, citizens can come and drop off brush or whatnot um, by the truckload on Saturdays, March through December. But that um, brings us to these really um, nice tonnages that, um, so this was our 2020 numbers just in, um, but we diverted almost 15,000 tons of material um, at our yard waste facility. Uh, compost and yard waste facility in the past year in 2021. And then the other upside of this is that we get to give or um, sell at a, a reduced rate that material back to um, the citizens. We did almost 9,000 tons of that in 2021. So um, and it's just I think it's a great program. We've recently gotten a new grinder, um, which I believe, yeah, it's pictured in yellow on the bottom left there, or sorry, that's our loader. Um, the grinder's at the top left, but that's helping us process a lot quicker and um, keep the rows 
turned and um, just getting that material out and um, to a finished state um, and moving through the facility. Uh, so that is, um, again, I feel like just a great program that that's um, working for diversion in our city. Um, Oh, and then I was given some other numbers, but um, you know, about 5,000 vehicles are coming <clears throat> just through and using the facility each year. Um, curbside setouts, we're even able to count those. Um, and that's uh, by our, our drivers in the trucks are using their clickers and able to um, see you know, how well it's utilized in that way. And then we've had just a kind of history in the final two rows of tons in and tons out. Um, we were even, as you'll note, um, shut down for months during COVID in 2020, um, as far as the open Saturdays for the public, but um, still did significant amount of tons um, out to the public. In fact, there was quite a demand. I think when people were home, they decided to do lawn and garden projects, so they were asking. Um, and let's see. Oh, then I was going to shift gears to our single stream re recycling program in HAM um, is the facility, like we said, where we take that that uh, began in October, 2014. And um, we accept uh, kind of the range of materials that you would accept in recycling. Uh, one of the unique things we do is we accept glass. That was one thing that um, an advisory board, a solid waste advisory committee had really recommended um, and pushed for is that we get glass in our single stream. Um, so this is this is a draft kind of waste composition from our last audit, but um, weight wise, you'll see that um, of the materials we we're accepting cardboard is 23% um, and the other papers mixed uh, papers and newsprint are 35 combined. So really paper are papers and cardboard are the heaviest materials um, other than the glass, which on its own weighs nearly 20% of the composition of that we're um, we're taking in through the blue cart program. Um, recycling is that service is for um, the single family home just every other week. Uh, we provide a 95 gallon cart and um, that has has worked pretty well. It, um, you know, if, if folks feel like their cart won't hold till that second week, we offer a second, uh, an additional cart at no charge. Um, and we, are, we have also kind of implemented along with this issue of the recycling cart, uh, sort of a volume-based pricing where you can get um, uh, for your trash. So you'll be paying a little less if you get a smaller sized trash cart um, for your home. The standard issue is 65 gallon. Um, but you can get 95 or you can upgrade to 95 or downgrade and pay a little less for the sick um, 35 gallon cart. But anyway, this uh, waste composition 
is um, how we receive our rebates and uh, how uh, it's uh, combined with kind of the the market value for these materials at the time, and that's kind of done on a monthly basis, um, along with the processing fees and invoicing that they do for the um, materials we drop off. And so here's um, a synopsis of what we did for uh, ham um, and other recycling within the last year. Um, it's kind of broken down. You'll see on the left, the source separated ham. So we bring materials to the ham facility, not just as a single stream, but in what we call source separated. And you may have noticed the um, drop off locations we have at um, different grocery stores like Checkers and Hy-Vee, but um, we have the mixed paper OCC, which is um, what we call cardboard, but old corrugated cardboard, um, and the newsprint, oh, old newsprint, ONP. Um, but so we, we take those materials separately to ham and have a little bit different rebate schedule on those um, since they are already pre-separated. And um, OCC, you'll see, is the um, largest portion of what we do for um, source separated, and that is um, due to our really vibrant cardboard recycling program that we have with the businesses here in town, small and medium-sized businesses will set cardboard uh, containers for them. <clears throat> And we do. We also do an office paper program, which is a service that we um, separately market that material that comes back to our warehouse, and we ship it out from there. Um, but um, that is just kind of a small program that we do with some businesses and provide them carts. Glass is a drop-off program. Um, then we have the single stream again, as mentioned. Um, that's just coming straight from residential. We not only provide that service for um, single family residents, but also for multifamily residential. So um, we just need to uh, uh, kind of get the permission and get all the locations uh, locked down or locked in for sending um, larger containers in apartment complex, either parking lots or hopefully if there's room in their waste enclosure, we can set it there <clears throat> and um, collect it. But at this time, our single stream recycling is um, primarily residentially based. Um, we also offer it to some schools and other city buildings but that's um, as that's the extent of the commercial offering at this time. Um, we also recycle some metals. A lot of it's internal kind of scrap, but we, um, like I said, pick it up from the curb um, by request, and then a few other items. But um, the e-waste event is not insignificant. I know um, Douglas County has hosted that event for a the past couple of years, and I put that in there. Um, and <clears throat> but that last year alone was, you know, 40 tons of diversion. So, and then um, you can see in the um, the yellow and orange graph, they're kind of um, the orange reflects our revenues and there were some really down market 
years there. And this past year, um, the the revenues really uh, rebounded um, because most of the commodities we um, the recycling commodities bounced back um, and kind of got onto more of an even keel. Um, so, and that is kind of how it was more consistently in the past, but we just had a few bad years there. So hopefully we're, we're going to stay um, positive with some of the revenues and markets for recycling. Uh, here's just a picture of some of that source separated material I was talking about. Uh, the top left would be our drop-off bins at the Dillons at Six and Wakarusa. Um, and so that includes newspaper, mixed paper, cardboard, and glass. Um, bottom left would be the office paper cart being dumped um, on route. Uh, there's a glass. Uh, this separated glass. So we do allow glass um, in the single stream, but also we have quite a few users, um, either they drive from out of town or businesses will use our purple ripple bins, which I believe we have four of those out right now at various locations. And then a cardboard container being dumped. And those <clears throat> are put in uh, either in alleys, downtown or in behind strip malls or in behind or within single businesses, waste enclosures. But um, that program has been going on for quite some time now. And we have over 200 customers on a route. Um, they are picked up either once a week up up to, um, well, downtown, they're, they're picked up six days a week, but anywhere between. Um, just depending on their needs and the size of container we can fit in um, to their locations. Um, here's just a few of our, our branding and educational materials. Um, the top left is uh, kind of the image you'll see on your recycling cart um, and what we take and please no plastic bags. Um, contamination is an issue and we just have to keep getting that word out. Um, it's especially uh, needed for um, for the multifamily community because they are often, you know, moving in and out. And um, so we try to do some extra education with them. Um, we have, let's see, oh, there's our magnet. Uh, the do's and don'ts, the yes and no. Um, that we've given away at various events and have even mailed them out to customers and um, just try to distribute them as we're able. But um, I wanted to get to this multifamily because we have had, I mean, it's a little more challenging in this, um, um, just in the, it, it, for the, to, to get the multifamily uh, uh, folks to recycle right. So, we, uh, a neat thing we did as far as educational was um, that bag that you see, that tote bag um, in the center bottom picture, that is uh, something we had produced. We got some grant money through the state and uh, to help pay for it, but we uh, had several, I wanna say we did 
an order of 2,000 of them, and then we reordered um, with some more money um, from the from a grant, but um, we got those out to the multifamily apartment complexes. We had one for each unit and um, they've really helped cut down on a contamination because especially since they're using dumpsters, uh, plastic bags are an issue, a big contaminant. And so we've got them a bag to put their recyclables in and um, then that bag had a um, handle to dump into the um, the recycling dumpster and um, reuse again and again and with the reminders and the phone numbers and uh, website and everything right on there. So um, that's been helpful, but um, we can always use more and um, do more in the way of, of recycling education. Um, let's see. Oh, and I just wanted to bring up another um, program we have is the Household Hazardous Waste Facility, and that is um, that's actually able for use by city and county, um, and that is up off of Kresge Road and available by drop-off for drop off by appointment. Um, you can also, we have a reuse facility and that is in the bottom left where we pull out some of those paints and pesticide. Well, not pesticides. We don't, we give, we don't re, um, give those out for reuse, but some, if uh, the material we got in um, was good usable paint or cleaning product or um, automotive oils and uh, fluids, we, get those back out on the shelves if it's in good condition um, for people to come in and that's available for free. Um, so that's another program that it's not not a large um, volume and diversion wise, but it's it's a big impact in keeping the toxic um, items out of the landfill and out of our trucks and away from uh, staff and out of ultimately the, the water. Um, so that is about all I had. Um, but I'm sure I forgot a few things. And if you have any questions for either Kathy or I, um, I'd be glad to take them. Michelle, I have a question. Um, I am a small business owner. Uh, currently, it looks like glass. If there was to be a second recycling available commercially, um, we make full use of the cardboard and we take glass and plastic jugs to the county drop-off because of the plastic jugs. Is there a possibility that glass could become part of the commercial recycling? Or is that best left to the drop-off points? Um. Well, right now, I mean, we are, um, because the papers, uh, cardboard, well, a couple, two, two things, um, cardboard and the office paper that we do provide those services to the business community, those are uh, pretty high volume business wastes. And we wanted to tackle that as far as diversion, but also um, they have some value and we're able to, um, kind of make ends meet by doing that. Um, glass is a really uh, 
heavy item to, and expensive item to transport and do a route for. Um, so I don't see us as the city uh, providing like a business curbside service for glass, um, if that's what you're asking. It is. I'm, I'm largely uh, trying to address the financial impact of the city if we were trying to offer that. Is, so you're saying glass would not economically be really feasible for recycling, such as you do cardboard now? Correct. I mean, I know Ripple Glass, um, who's the nearby glass processor, has had some um, interest. They've started a, some business uh, pickup programs in Kansas City. And so they would be the one I would um, expect might be more interested in doing that kind of service in Lawrence. Um, is that something I can follow up with you on to maybe talk to Ripple about that? Or is that something that's strictly within the city administrative? Um, Kathy, do you want to? Yeah, this is Kathy Richardson, Interim Sustainability Director. Uh, we can absolutely connect you with the Ripple contact uh, because they did show some interest in the possibility of bringing a curbside glass program for businesses here in Lawrence. Now, again, they were kind of dreaming big to expand into the Lawrence area, but we're not 100% sure that they will um, come over to Lawrence. They just wanted to hear from businesses that might be interested. So this is a perfect opportunity for you to connect with them and let them know. Now, um, on the question of uh, commercial single stream recycling and if the city is going to expand that program, that would include glass in the, you know, mixed with the papers and the plastic and so forth. Um, the conversation there really is the city is working with a consultant to put together kind of a rate structure of what that would look like. Um, there would be resources that would need to be brought on to the city. So we would need to purchase some trucks, hire more people, purchase containers to expand to a commercial single stream program. That would be a, a, a big jump. Um, and that would be something that we're going to go in front of commission uh, for their, um, you know, kind of um, uh, understanding of what it would take and um, their you know, approval if they would like to move forward with something like that. That would be commercial single stream recycling program. If uh, my input or my involvement can help, I would love to get involved in that. That that would absolutely, this is, sorry, this is Kathy Richardson, uh, Interim Sustainability Director. Um, absolutely, when that item um, is getting ready to go on agenda to the city commission, that would be a good opportunity for this advisory board or maybe you all as individual members um, to, to put in a, a comment. By the way, I'm Steve Kramer, SAB board member. This is, this is, this is Stan Rasmussen, SAB member. I believe that Kara has asked Kathy, who asked me to run the meeting since Kara's having audio problems. I would ask, does anybody else have questions for Michelle? This is Ben Sykes. I'm a SAB board member. I have a question. So, and actually, this is exactly related to what Steve was asking, um, but maybe a bit broader. The first slide you showed seemed to indicate that 
you know, about 50% of the waste in total could go through single stream recycling. And I think we're doing, you know, a, an admirable job. All of you are doing an admirable job, but it still seems that only about 10% of the total tonnage of waste seems to be going through recycling. A am I understanding correctly that the gap in that is largely because of the large component of commercial waste that's not getting addressed? And do you guys think that single stream recycling, Michelle and Kathy, single stream recycling in the city for commercial businesses is the biggest step that we can take to kind of close that gap on waste diversion? Yeah, I was afraid that uh, I wasn't explaining that properly because I, I believe there are a lot of commercial and industrial um, entities that are doing um, recycling now. And we have, we just haven't um, had a good survey of those businesses and what their, their diversion is. Um, so that's the first thing. <laughs> um, and, and that, that our, our diversion rate is probably uh, is certainly bigger than it would appear um, just by what the city is recycling um, versus the total tons going to the landfill. This is Kathy Richardson, interim sustainability director. I'm just going along with what Michelle is trying to explain is that while on the trash side, the city of Lawrence touches all the trash where the only trash haulers here for uh, businesses and residential to the landfill, we are not the only recyclers here in town. So there are some larger or medium to large businesses that will bail their cardboard or other valuable recyclable materials that they sell. Um, so there's a lot more recycling activity going on than, than what the city has a hand on. Thank you, Kathy. And Kay, are you? Hi, Kay Johnson, uh, Sustainability Advisory Board member. Um, do you have a knowledge of how much construction and demolition waste um, is going on in the, uh, the city, actually? And does that figure into any of those numbers that you've listed? Because generally, a municipal waste stream also can includes construction and demolition and oftentimes that's a lot of weight. Yeah, um, one figure I saw recently and I or I saw it recently, but I'm not sure how recent a figure is, is that we do about 20,000 tons of roll off um, per year. Um, I, I don't know if that may be an average and it may be high or low depending on um, the economy and how, how things are going in the construction community. But um, that's uh, that, you know, a good portion of that is going to be C&D. Uh, but I don't know that we've ever, uh, Kathy actually might know if we've been able to um, flesh that out from our other, our other waste. Um, 
This is Kathy Richardson, Interim Sustainability Director. So um, when it comes to, we have a handle of all the information on how many tons we take to the landfill. And in the past, when we've calculated the community recycling rate, the EPA does not include CND waste as part of the calculation. So we have subtracted the CND uh, from that waste being hauled to the landfill uh, for that community recycling rate. Um, there are other things that cannot be included. For example, if we have a big storm and a lot of tree debris, we can't count that towards, um, you know, material that was chipped and, and sold or whatnot because that was a, a FEMA event. Um, but uh, yeah, the CND has been calculated out of the recycling rate. And Michelle mentioned that a little bit earlier that um, we have not calculated a recycling rate in the last uh, few years. This is Dan Rasmussen, SAB member. Nancy, you had a question, it looked like. Yeah, I had a couple of questions. One is um, how much of the material that's collected through the recycling program actually gets recycled? Um, well, our contractor ham is required by contract <laughs> to, uh, our service provider is required by contract to recycle it all. And I know, I mean, he, they've mentioned that in recent years, when you saw the graph, the, the markets were down, they had to hold some material, um, specifically some plastics for uh, several months where they weren't able to find a, a market for them, but they finally did. Um, so I think I mean, all of it does. Yeah. I mean, unless it's like a non-accepted or a, what they call like a process residue that, um, fell through the system and, um, fell as trash. That's great. Um, the other question I had, is there any, um, discussion of food composting and whether or not to collect that? I know some cities do collection of food compost. This is Kathy Ooh, Richardson. Kathy. Yeah, this is Kathy Richardson, <laughs> interim sustainability director. So that's a great question. Um, food waste is something that we currently are working on a pilot program. Uh, we work with the county. And the county wrote a grant uh, for this food waste pilot uh, in which we are uh, currently accepting food waste from one entity. It's just food. Uh, we're working with them and we have a separate windrow in our compost facility. So this is really our first um, kind of taste on the hands-on food waste composting at our compost facility. Uh, we did apply for that permit exception with KDHE because, you know, our permit at the compost facilities for yard waste, but we did get approved for this pilot food waste uh, program, which lasts two years. And we're currently in discussion as to the, the end of the grant is uh, this fall. So we're currently in discussion as to what we will do moving forward. So are we going to get into food waste composting? Are we going to maybe extend the pilot with our own funds and allow a few more businesses to drop off? But we're analyzing the data for example, how fast is the material composting that has the food waste versus our windrows with the just yard waste and such? 
I don't know if you all know that the county did hire a food waste specialist position that's been monitoring this as well. She's been great work um, and, and partner for the city. Stan Rasmussen, SAB member. Are there other people with questions? This is Stan Rasmussen, SAB member. Michelle, I have a question for you or Kathy. Is it possible to set up a tour for members of the SAB to visit the recycling facility and the has waste facility and get a firsthand look at those? Is that something that we can organize at some point during the year? Maybe when the weather's yes. a little nicer? Yeah, definitely. Um, we'll have to organize with Ham. Um, themselves, you know, when would be good for them. And then we could work with you directly on touring the household hazardous waste facility. So, yes. This is Stan Rasmussen, SAB member. I know that we have meeting quorum issues that it might have to be advertised if we have too many people, but we might be able to stagger it and split us up into a couple of groups or, but that's something we can work through then it sounds like. I think so. Yeah. Great. Let's see if we have no more questions for Michelle, this is Stan Rasmussen, SAB member. Um, we'll move on in the agenda. So one last chance for any questions. All right, well, thank you, Michelle. That was an interesting report. I took some good notes and yeah, thank you. Yeah, and just um, I'm available um, if you know for question or further contact um, if needed. So thanks. So next item on the agenda is subcommittee reports. I don't know if we have any subcommittees that are have something to report out. Um, we, we, you know, we haven't had a meeting since December. I don't know if any subcommittees have met. This is Ben Sykes. I can provide a short one on the weed ordinance subcommittee who has actually met, uh, I think two times, three times since um, our last SAB, full SAB for me, if you'd like. Great, please, please do, Ben. Yeah, so I, I talked with you guys about this a few times. We're revising the weed ordinance based on public feedback that the list of weeds originally um, had many native species on it and was um, well beyond what the state and the county had. We've now um, decided um, integrated with that is the hope to promote sustainable native landscaping as well for yards um, for many reasons. And um, we're very close to providing the full SAB, I'm hoping by our next meeting with a draft of the ordinance we'd like to see. Um, so I, Look for that for the full SAB in the next maybe two weeks, I'm hoping. There's um, three kind of issues that I just wanted to tell you about that we're, we're thinking about and trying to get feedback from the city on. Um, the first is that, um, well, the first is to understand that we use the Mid-America's Regional Council um, model ordinance as a foundation for how we built this. So this is a group of people that built it for Kansas City and the other areas. Um, for what a model ordinance would look like. And we've since edited that to give it the, the key issues, I think, that we've had with uh, the weed ordinance here. So some of the issues that we've come up with, for example, are um, thinking about how um, the requirement 
for some portion of new developments to include native landscaping, how that might need to be carried out in the development code and if that would actually work. Another element that we've been working with is um, thinking about overlap with existing code for things like chemical, uh, chemical trespass or uh, the movement of chemicals from one property to another for people that are spraying chemicals on their lawn. But I think one of the ones that we're really spending a lot of time on now is on enforcement. So to create a, um, a pathway for arbitration so that neighbors can kind of work out things without the city coming in and cutting things necessarily in, in 10 days, but also to create hopefully a progressive um, fine system so that people won't just be charged um, X amount of dollars to do the work, but it might be based, for example, on, on how much they make in an hour or a week or something like that that's been done in other places. Um, and also the removal of the potential for jail time for not mowing your lawn. Um, we're trying to think about those through the equity lens that I know is a, a really key feature of the strategic plan. And I just want to give a shout out to Kathy Richardson, who's been at multiple of our meetings now and actually has given us fantastic feedback, particularly recently on looking at the specific progress indicators that the strategic plan asks for and being able to tailor some of the elements that we're putting in the ordinance so that they reflect those progress indicators directly, which I think is going to give us, um, um, yeah, it's going to advance, help advance changes to the ordinance along the lines of what the city hopes through the strategic plan and plan 2040. But I'm happy to field any questions if, if people have it about that. Um, as I said, I'm hopeful that we can have a model ordinance for you guys, maybe in the next, uh, before the next SAB meeting, that we can spend some time talking about that. This is San Rasmussen, SAB member. Does anybody have questions for Ben? Ben, I'm seeing no questions. This is Stan Rasmussen, SAB member, but I have one for you. Do we actually have an ordinance right now that says there's jail time associated with not mowing your lawn? Is that on the books? Yeah, as it's currently written, we have a fine and or jail time. And even the model ordinance had a from the Mid-America Mid Regional Council had a fine. And in fact, the, the amount, the dollar amount had gone up quite a lot since our revision. Uh, so it was like $2,500 and or up to a year for a fine. And um, yeah, so from an equity perspective, especially people that can't pay the fine or, pardon me, we have a new dog. Uh, yes. So that is on the books now, Stan, uh, as an and or um, thing. Um, I, I will say that I don't know that it's ever been enforced in terms of jail time, but it is on the books now and it is for the model ordinance as well. So we'd like to remove that. And that'll be an element that I'd like you guys feedback on when we bring the whole draft ordinance to. This is Stan Rasmussen. Thank you for your answer on that. It seems like jail time is probably a relic from a past long ago. I hope we can move beyond that. Uh, how would this ordinance affect like vacant lots that are, you know, sitting around in neighborhoods waiting to be developed, maybe have a house or a light commercial or something like that on it? Does it only apply to developed lots or can you comment on that? What, what you're thinking there? Yeah, so the, the current ordinance, how it deals with vacant lots is largely about height, right? So if the vegetation gets to a certain height, then it's it's out of code and uh, the owner of that property would get a letter. And if they didn't manage it themselves, then the city would come in and then charge them or get a contractor to come in and charge them. And so how this, this 
the revisions of this model ordinance are really focused on homeowners and trying to encourage um, sustainable landscaping and, and change the um, enforcement provisions. But I think for people that are that haven't put down, um, in fact, we've been discussing that if you need some sort of a plan that you submit that you're doing land native landscaping or you just do it. Um, but I, I think the same, we still have an element in there to reflect what you're talking about, Stan, which is people, sorry, this has been SAB Bloomer. Um, there, there's still an element in there that people can't just like do nothing to their lawns. Like, and, and that would be, I think, applied to these um, uh, lots. This is Stan Rasmussen. It looks like Kay Johnson has a follow-up question for you. Yeah, my question is really a, more of a statement. Uh, obviously, vacant lots can be a fire hazard if they're let go too, you know, too high. So um, I'm sure that you're looking at that too. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think what we're we're trying to do is promote for people that are interested in the aspect of um, changing to sustainable landscaping, which has a huge number of benefits that we outline in the ordinance, um, to promote that, to give them the, you know, uh, an ordinance that's trying to encourage that and, and find ways to do that. But I think we still have, we still have in the ordinance, the obligation that the, the central purpose is to control noxious weeds and overgrowth for elements that are, that are not being controlled. Yeah. Right now, native landscaping is only mentioned in our ordinance as an exception, and it has to be approved by city commission. So somebody has to create a plan and be approved by city commission. That's the only way now as it exists in the weed ordinance. And so what we're trying to do is kind of crack that open and, and allow people to that are interested, you know, to, to create native landscaping that can help with some of our you know, water quality issues and mitigation of soil carbon and things like that. But also, you know, if they want to um, do urban gardening or, or those kind of things to to encourage those practices, I think we still will have K and stand those elements for control of basically um, properties that are un unmanaged. Steve Kramer, SAB board member. Uh, ben, will this also include communal gardening areas? So we haven't addressed that explicitly yet, Steve, and maybe we should think about that because that's kind of an in-between of there are specific stipulations about city properties and then also about private properties, whether those are individual or multi, but we haven't um, really focused on that. And I know there are other efforts within the city. I think, Sarah, aren't you um, with the food? Are you still? Um, so I, I don't know how that would be handled within this weed and sustainable native landscaping ordinance. I think it would simply fall under its, its urban gardening and, and therefore it would be promoted under this. Um, and, and a portion of the land, for example, in new developments, if that was to pass, a portion of a new development that was set aside for urban gardening would satisfy that criteria for having a portion of your land not simply be um, basically grass, right? So that you would have some of it. That's how I would see it. I can Sarah. say I'm really looking forward to seeing what you guys have done. I know there's been a terrific amount of work in it. And uh, my wife and I have a very special interest, especially in the native plants. Looking forward to seeing that presentation. 
This is Sarah Chenna with board member. Yeah, I'll just add, I, I believe, and I, I apologize for not helping out recently, Ben, but I do believe even currently in the ordinance, it is okay to have vegetation that's over 12 inches if it is food. Um, so I think, um, I, I, I assume that would cover community garden areas, but I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, thanks, Sarah. I, I agree that is in the ordinance now. And really what we're trying to pivot from, and Sarah said it really well, and what I was trying to say about native landscaping, right now those are exemptions, right? So we basically have this blanket ordinance that is um, sticks, right? You can't do these things, you can't do these things unless you have these exemptions. I think part of what we are hoping to pivot to is a an ordinance that's also trying to encourage, like explicitly encourage sustainable landscaping that includes you know, native plants around here, as, as well as um, urban gardening and other aspects like that. But yeah, like I said, I, there were some finer details that I feel like we need to get worked out, some of which, again, thanks, thank you to Kathy for, for pointing those out, and I hope to bring that to you guys next um, SAB meeting. But I'm happy to entertain other questions if people have. This is Stan Rasmussen, SAB board member. Is there other, are there other questions? Ben, this is Stan Rasmussen. I'm gonna I'm gonna follow up on a question. I I like to walk for exercise, and I go west of Wakarusa on Research Park Drive, and there's a number of commercial lots along there that I've seen coyotes and fox and wild turkey and deer, and I love being able to see those. And it would worry me that those property owners would be forced to cut their vegetation down when it's providing habitat for a variety of animals. We're not talking about that, right? It's a commercially zoned area. We're talking about residential areas, is that right? That's right, and, and we're talking about um, new developments, in fact, could leave some of that, I think, Stan, and that would satisfy if we did have this development requirement. But I think, in fact, what we're trying to do with the ordinance is increase those habitat areas for those kinds of animals so that there may be, you know, um, for example, if someone wants to do native landscaping in their yard, that there can be those stopover sites for um, hawks or, or um, you know, some of the animals that we like to see. Um, so to your point, no, this the change in the ordinance right now would, would definitely not discourage that. It would actually encourage that. All right, thank you. Mrs. Stan Rasmus, are there any other questions for Ben? All right, thank you, Ben. That was that was really informative. We look forward to seeing the the draft ordinance, and hopefully, we'll all uh, put our support and encourage the city commission to adopt it. Uh, let's see. Are there any other subcommittee reports? All right, seeing none. The next item on the agenda is future agenda items, and I saw that Kara had emailed everyone with a couple of future agenda items. I threw one in there. Uh, I, I'm assuming, Kathy, that we need to identify some agenda items that we'd like to talk about and figure out how, how when to schedule those and get them on the agenda. I, I'm assuming we can't talk about them tonight because they weren't advertised. We can't take any action on them. Is that, am I making a valid assumption? 
This is Kathy Richardson, Interim Sustainability Director. Um, that's correct. Um, so in the future, we want to work on finalizing an, an agenda before it goes public. And that is with the chair and the vice chair. Um, and obviously these meetings, you can list out which items you would like to have for the next uh, board meeting, or they can come before we publish that uh, to the public. So um, I had reached out again a little late on Monday or Monday morning about any other items to be added. And then by Tuesday morning, um, I had not heard. Um, and so I went ahead and, and published that uh, agenda. And the items that came in were after that was published. Right. All right, well, this is Stan Rasmussen, Sustainability Advisory Board member. We could entertain some suggestions now or people could go home with homework and uh, know that we need to get suggestions sent into Kathy. So we, so Kara and I can start compiling those and trying to schedule topics for meetings. Okay, you raised your hand first, go ahead and then Nancy. Hi, Kay Johnson, SAB board member. So I have the uh, I, I'm the champion for the uh, city departments, and Deb Ford is the champion for code enforcement. And we had been talking about having a discussion with the planning department um, so that we could um, generally find out about the codes as well as look at what they're looking at as far as their department and um, the sustainability plan, what their goals are as far as that's concerned. Uh, Kathy was going to wait until after this meeting because the um, MSO had been scheduled now. And we talked at least we could either have um, a, a joint subcommittee meeting or we could put it on the schedule for a, a full uh, committee meeting. We, I don't have a preference, but, um, and I don't, I, I guess we had, Deb and I haven't talked in a bit about it. So I don't know if she has a preference. This is Deb Ford, SAB member. Um, we had wanted to talk to the planning commission, especially in regards to the adoption of current codes and where they are in that process and what feedback they get from the community in order to adopt those codes and what impact there has been for the adoption of the energy code. I think it would be very informative for it, a large group to be in on that conversation so then we can understand what we can do to potentially help um, energize the efficiency of the energy codes uh, in relation to, to what other jurisdictions have done. So I would suggest for the larger group. Yeah, this is Stan Rasmussen, SAB member. Maybe it would be good for you and Kay to coordinate and make a presentation at, to the group as a whole after you've had that opportunity to coordinate together however you want to do that. Let's see, I think Nancy, did you have your hand up? I, I did, so Nancy Muma, uh, 
uh, SAB board member, um, a couple of things. First, since I'm a new member, I don't know that I was on the email list that went out to ask for um, agenda items. So that I wasn't included in that. And if you could add me to the emailing list, I would appreciate that. Um, and I would like to add one item to the agenda for the future, and that's regarding the single-use bags ordinance that's been discussed and um, issues surrounding the um, discussion that was had at, I think it was two meetings ago, regarding trying to encourage the use of uh, reusable bags and discourage um, single-use bags. And so there was, a, there was some discussion of trying to encourage as well as um, ban these bags. So I'd like to get that on the agenda again. Great. Well, this is Stan Rasmussen, a uh, SAB member. Kathy, before I joined the SAB, the SAB had made a recommendation to city commission with a a bag ordinance banning bags. And I don't believe the city commission has ever taken that up. Do we need to, or is, can you ask the legal staff, do we need to recall that back? Can we pile one recommendation on top of the other? Can you give us a little guidance there? Absolutely. This is Kathy Richardson, interim sustainability director. So I will have to look back to see the detail, but um, it is my understanding that the sustainability advisory board had presented in front of uh, the commission a recommendation and um, no, to, to my knowledge, no action was taken and um, was still in discussion. And I believe there was more active conversation up until the pandemic uh, started. And then the conversation, it looks like Kay has some information as well. So I'll let her give a little bit of her background. Hey, Johnson, SAB board member. So. Um, I think it was either September or October, Jasmine uh, put it on our agenda to discuss the single-use plastic bags. And she she gave us some options, either drop the ordinance altogether or put the ordinance uh, discussion back into our um, sustainability advisory group or uh, just leave it the way it was. And or I think those were the three options. Uh, the discussion, and I, I, I can't remember if it was the October meeting or, or I think it was the October meeting. The discussion um, ended up where we decided there were some things because of the pandemic that would be good to put it back into our group for discussion. And um, some of which were supply chain issues. People were having trouble getting certain kinds of bags. There's a lot of different issues associated with that. At first of the pandemic, people didn't want to, uh, stores weren't even using um, people's bags, uh, individuals' bags, because they didn't know how the COVID virus was being spread. So there was lots of issues during the COVID beginning. And so that's how we got it back into the uh, committee. And then the committee or the group put it into the climate change committee for discussion. That is where the end um, that it is today, that it, it was back in the climate change uh, subcommittee. 
Thank you, Kay. And this is Stan Rasmussen. Nancy, you wanted to follow up? I did. I wanted to ask if, if the committee's been meeting and if they have a plan. There has been, um, this is Kay Johnson, SAB um, board member. There was a discussion about um, having, well, we had a, actually a panel presentation from some of the area grocers. Um, the, what was proposed is that the next um, panel meeting would be small businesses. And then the next, I believe, and Deb kind of laid it out in an email, the next um, meeting would be uh, to discuss what the subcommittee wanted to do. Because uh, Macaqua Jones was the chair of that, um, it hasn't gone anywhere since then. Go ahead, Nancy. Nancy, I'm a um, board member. So do we need to have a new chair to get that going again? Sounds like that might be helpful. What is the process, Kathy, for volunteering to be a, a subcommittee chair? Or can you re refresh our knowledge there or enlighten us? Now, this is Kathy Richardson, Interim Sustainability Director. So one thing for you to consider is, do you wanna continue to work on with the subcommittees that you developed, I believe, early last year? Or does the board wanna review those? and redefine what your focus areas are. If you would like to continue with the subcommittees you have now, you have them in place, then at this advisory board uh, meeting, if somebody would like to, to change to a different subcommittee or somebody would like to volunteer to be the chair of a subcommittee, you can certainly um, go ahead and, and do that with this group. Looks like Nancy. So I would like Nancy Mama. Uh, SAB board member, I'd like to volunteer to be the chair of that, that committee. This is Stan Rasmussen, SAB board member. Nancy, that's wonderful. Awesome. Do we need to, Kathy, do we need to vote on that or is it just kind of a done deal? How's, how's this work? This is Kate Johnson, SAB uh, board member, we, in the past, what we just decided is whoever volunteered to do it was it. So <laughs> welcome. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, so sorry, this is Ben Sykes, SAP member, I think, and I haven't been on this board as long as, as Kay and, and Deb and others, but like my memory was that we decided last spring on like priorities and those then were codified as subcommittees or something. I don't think the process has to happen that way. And certainly um, I'm all for if Nancy, if you want to lead a subcommittee that's focused specifically on the bag, or are you saying you want to lead the committee that's on the climate change more broadly? I, I just want to make sure what you're, what you're saying yes to and what you want to do. <laughs> well, I'm not sure what the, I, I didn't know that. What are, what are the other issues the climate change committee is working on besides the, the single use bag issue? That was it. So okay. Far. All right. Well, that's fine then. I'll be, I'll do that <laughs> for the climate committee. Yeah. I actually had a question about, sorry, that, that I would, sorry, Deb. Go ahead, Ben. I, I was just, um, 
I'm going to let Deb talk. I, I have a question about that actually regarding Stan, what you sent in the email about the solar ordinance. I didn't know which subcommittee that might fall under and things like that, but I think Deb has a more question that's before that. Go ahead, Deb. Uh, not really. I was, I was following up with um, what Kathy had asked is I do think it might be time to reevaluate the subcommittees. I'm not sure all the new members are actually on a subcommittee, so it would be an opportunity to um, open up to all the members and prioritize again, make sure that we want to keep focusing on areas that we are or if we want to redefine. This is Stan Rasmussen. Go ahead, Steve Kramer. You have a comment? Steve Kramer, SAB. Um, I believe the last time the list of those subcommittees was published was in the June minutes, if I remember correctly. It might be worthwhile to uh, send those back out to the SAB so we can just take a look at what's existing now. Uh, and as I recall, uh, Nancy, you're the champion as opposed to the chair for that particular committee. Um, I'd love to see the list again, and I would love to follow up on the priority list as well. In addition, I would uh, request, Kathy, I can follow up with you. I would like to get an idea of where in the city do we look for grants uh, and funding and those opportunities. I'd love to see us try and match up some of the uh, funding opportunities along with our priorities and see where we have the best intersects. I would be very happy to, to help out in doing some of the research on that. This is Kathy Richardson, Interim Sustainability Director. You're asking a great question on the grants, um, and I can give you some more information as well. Uh, but the city this year is working with a team that's helping us identify grants. Um, so this is an outside consulting group that is helping identify uh, grants for all city departments. And that might be something that um, you, know, you might be interested in hearing about. I would love to, to provide a point person um, to kind of ride alongside with that group uh, without interfering with the work they're doing, but I'd love to be a point of uh, communication. Um, and then I'd love to, again to see that list of the subcommittees and then go into an in-depth look at where our priorities are and where we think we have the low hanging fruit that is worthwhile. Stan Rasmussen, SAP, go ahead, Deb Ford, you had your hand raised. I had one more request uh, with Jasmine leaving. I'm not sure where the um, report is at for the uh, sustainable update of the, I don't really remember the title of it, but the action plan for sustainability for the city. This is Kathy Richardson. This is Kathy Richardson, Interim Sustainability Director. The Climate Action Plan is something that uh, the work continues. Uh, you may not all be aware, but there are two Interim Sustainability Directors, one for the county and one for the city. Kim Kreiner Ritchie is the Interim Sustainability Director on the county side. And the Climate Action Plan is something that she is leading. And if this board is interested in getting an update, she told me she would be happy to hop on um, as frequently as you would like uh, some reports back on that. 
Ms. Stan Rasmussen. Kay Johnson, looks like you have your hand raised. Yes, Kay Johnson, SAB member. Originally, um, the climate adaptation plan was discussed as being part of discussion for the climate change uh, subcommittee or uh, group. And we had hoped that we would talk about the actions using the KC action plan that we could um, start to make recommendations to uh, the city commission on. That really didn't um, develop, but that would, as far as I'm concerned, that would be a really good place to put that back into that subcommittee and then um, bring those actions then from, from that subcommittee to the SAB so that we could make recommendations to the city commission. There are a lot of things that I think that we could be doing um, that would um, to make recommendations that would be innovative uh, that maybe the city hasn't thought of regarding the climate change issue. Stan Rasmussen, thank you, Kay. Does anybody else have comments? This has been Sykes Sapp member. I have a question, Kathy, um, just because it seems like some of the different elements that we're working on um, require or at least would benefit from a connection with the people that are working on updating the city's development plan and the development code specifically. And I'm wondering, you know, as honestly, all I know about that is what I've read in the Lawrence World Journal. And I'm curious whether or not there's a contact on that committee. Uh, it sounded like from the paper that that's um, that they're right now searching for an outside group to help develop that. But it seems like whether or not it's, you know, um, pushing for um, energy elements or, you know, on, on the thing I'm working on, on sustainable landscaping and things like that. Can, can we find a person or, or connect with them either through a full SAB meeting or at least with a connection to them so that some of the things we're talking about in terms of, right, the sustainability advisory board, I think directly connect with how that code is gonna be rewritten. This is Kathy Richardson, interim sustainability director. Absolutely, we will get you somebody to connect with. Nancy? Uh, just to go back to the um, suggestion that Kim Kleiner-Ritchie come and talk with us, I think that would be a good idea. Um, maybe not the next meeting, but one after that, let us get our feet wet and get priorities going first. Anybody else have comments? I, this is Stan Rasmussen, SAB board member. I, I really appreciate all that. I would encourage you to send an email to Kathy of some of your ideas. I'm as we were going through here, I was jotting some of them down. They may be in the minutes, but I think it would be helpful to her if you send some ideas. Uh, Nancy, I really appreciate you volunteering to champion the climate committee. I have to say, when I think of climate, I don't think of trash bags or um, grocery bags. I think of other things, and maybe it's mis a misnamed uh, committee for that particular topic, but you're the champion, so you can you can work on that. I I would like to say that I'm I'm interested maybe working with Steve on the infrastructure bill and looking for opportunities for uh, the city to apply for some grants. Uh, some of the things that we might be able to do are like uh, providing LA, LEDs to low income and disadvantaged communities. 
It's usually the, the low-income people that suffer the brunt of higher energy costs. And if we can help uh, lower their energy costs, there might be a grant program to provide LEDs for them. Uh, I think the solar uh, ordinance is, is moving rapidly and we need to maybe consider talking about that or jumping right on that so that we can have a role with the planning commission as they move forward on that. Um, I'm also going to put together some suggestions about things like bees and pollinators and food composting uh, in residential uh, locations. And so I would just encourage everybody to please send your, your ideas and suggestions to Kathy, and then we will make sure that those are shared with everybody and we'll figure out, we'll talk about how we want to prioritize those and move th through them this year. So unless there are other suggestions, Sarah, please. Nope, nope. Um, the next thing on the agenda are member updates. And I'm not sure what that entails, but Sarah looks like she wants to give us an update. Hi, thanks everybody. Um, Sarah Chenoweth, board member. I just um, wanted to, since we were talking about the plastic bags, I was trying to wait for the right time. For it. Um, I wanted to give everyone a legislative update. Um, I work in Topeka with the legislature and um, you may or may not have heard um, that they are kind of back on wanting to preempt us from doing this plastic bag ordinance. That was something that was brought up last year, didn't go anywhere, but um, just uh, this Monday in the Senate Fed and State Committee, it was brought back, um, it was introduced. And the last I heard, it did not yet have a bill number, but it probably will by the end of this week. Um, it was brought on behalf of the uh, Kansas Chamber of Commerce. Um, and yeah, it's a, a, a bill to preempt us from banning plastic bags. I think Wichita is working on it too. So I don't know, I'm sure our staff um, probably has their Ear to that sort of thing, but um, I would be happy to also provide updates uh, when that comes out to just keep everybody updated on that and get the word out to uh, write to our legislators and tell them how much Lawrence really would like to make a, our own decisions for ourselves. So that's my legislative update. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. This is Stan Rasmussen with the SAB, and I appreciate that legislative update. I can tell everybody, I think there's been a maybe some articles in the LJ world about some of the proposed bills. There's at least three bills dealing with uh, things like wind and solar generation and uh, requiring that uh, they only be put in areas zoned industrial or a variety of things. And um, generally, I, I don't think I'm overstepping. If I, I, I think people feel like they're more of an impediment to renewable energy development versus, um, you know, the, the the bill sponsor, I think, is saying that they are more protective of landowners, but um, other, there's other things. And Sarah, if you wanted to have a subcommittee that you are a legislative liaison and give us a legislative update uh, during the few months that the legislative session goes on, that would be fabulous. This is Sarah Chenoweth. I would be happy to do that. Awesome. Anybody else have uh, member news they'd like to share? All right, well, we've got eight minutes before the meeting is officially over. We've finished early, so that'll give Kathy an opportunity to 
run to the restroom and get a snack or something before the next meeting. So unless there um, are other activities, Kathy? Yeah, this is Kathy Richardson, Interim Sustainability Director. Uh, the uh, next section on your agenda is D, public comment. Oh, my bad. Are there any members of the public attending the meeting? I did not see anybody listed in the participants, but there's a lot of city hall. Did anybody, is, I do see one name on there. Does anybody from the public have a comment that they want to share? Well, I guess there's no public comment. Kathy, any other guidance before we adjourn? Uh, that is it. And this is Kathy Richardson, Interim Sustainability Director. There's nobody here and it doesn't look like anyone's raising their hand online. So you're good on public comment and you may proceed to the next agenda item, which is adjournment. Okay. Uh, this is Stan Rasmussen. Do we need a motion to adjourn? Okay. I have one question, then I'll make the motion to adjourn. Um, in the past, we asked um, the uh, director to provide a report. Uh, Kathy, would that be uh, a, appropriate for you to provide a report during our meeting? This is Kathy Richardson, Interim Sustainability Director. Absolutely. And um, this month's meeting, since we had the report on the Lawrence Waste Streams, that kind of took over the space of our uh, usual monthly uh, report, but I would be happy to provide a, a brief staff report at these meetings. Okay, thank you. And I make a motion to adjourn. Do we have a second? Nancy Momo second. Nancy Momo seconded. All those in favor, please signify by saying aye. 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 Bye. All right. Thank you, everybody, you for your time tonight. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate it. And thank you for your volunteers. That's fabulous. Good night. Good night. Good night.